Welcome to the SWP podcast. My guest today is Oksana Jawabray, experienced SWP leader who has worked across organizations including Westpac, EY, Deloitte, and Woolworths. Oksana is passionate about strategic workforce planning and believes to truly transform your workforce, you need to focus on partnerships, data, and meeting the business with where they're at. Welcome, Oksana. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It's uh, it's great to to get you on. We've had lots of um, uh, fruitful and uh, productive SWP conversations, but never had the chance to <laughs> to get them on on tape as it used to be. So it's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we start with um, your your journey into strategic workforce planning? I'm always interested to understand how how people most people fall into it so so how, how you found it or or how it potentially found you oh, i think that's a good question look um it was definitely an organic pathway into this so um and i was reflecting on you know kind of the journey that i've had and it really i think centered when i was working on the ndis which was obviously the largest reform since medicare so i dabbled in swp before that um but it wasn't until we were dealing with such a huge reform that had impact on government not-for-profits corporates um and obviously a large you know vulnerable kind of community base I started to lift the framework and really try and use that as a center point. Um, you know, in terms of the political landscape, you had ministers, you had, you know, department um, of premier and cabinet, treasury, um, you know, facts, department of family and community services. So it was like a huge array of stakeholders from multiple different industries, multiple different points of what was important to them. So I had to find a way or, you know, a simple framework that would actually tie in the conversation and get everybody to focus on a specific thing. And the thing about strategic workforce planning that helped me to do that was what do we want to achieve with this reform? What is the goal? What are the top three things that we want to get? And when every leader was able to articulate that, the question started to flow really naturally. So it would be, okay, well, how are we going to achieve that through the workforce? You know, what are the things that are really going to matter? And everything just kind of flowed from that. And I realized that, you know, not only is this a really good framework and, you know, a tool, but it actually drives the right conversation at multiple different levels. Because even then, when we went out into the front line and talking to real people that were actually responsible for executing on this, it worked with them as well. You know, you tweak the questions a little bit, but the overall framework and the overall approach would apply itself in multiple different kind of situations with multiple different diverse stakeholders. So, and then since then, it's just something that I've always used and, you know, I've always engaged with it. Um, and it just seems to be the answer, um, no matter how complex the problem is. Um, and here we are. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it, it it does, and and I think those that are are in the space um, yeah, do see it as the answer to to most things. Um, and you know, given what we know about the connection to strategy, and you sort of touched on that, um, and how you sort of had to almost tease that out of senior stakeholders in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer that you know. 
the strategy needs to be clarified and sometimes even simplified. So mm. have you seen sort of those sort of circumstances where you go into an organisation or you're part of an organisation and there might be, I don't know, four or five documents that that look and feel like a strategy? So a white mm. paper, a policy, um, an, an operational plan, a strategy, um, and what do you think is important to you know, when you are faced with situations like that to to do up up at the front end of the process? Yeah, that's a really good question. Look, I've always you know, and I've been in multiple scenarios where um, there isn't a strategy, or there's kind of like the marketing tool strategy, which is not really a strategy. It's more like a you know a vision and a mission, which has been called a strategy. So then you're in this awkward position where you're kind of saying, I'm not really sure that that's the strategy, you know, and I need a strategy to be able to develop a workforce plan for you. So that in itself is a really tough conversation to have and being able to distinguish between the kind of marketing strategy versus a real kind of, okay, we are making choices and we've thought about the future and we've Mm. built scenarios and we know our business and these are the things that we're going to focus on. That's a real strategy. So there's been a lot of situations where I've actually, you know, I've been asked to develop a workforce plan, a strategic workforce plan, and I've said, look, guys, I think you really need to build your strategy first then we can come along and work side by side with you to that because it's real. there has been situations where I'm actually developing the strategy for a business area, mm. you know, and you get into that position and you're like, this is, this is delaying the process and it's not really the space that we want to play in. So I think having that and also the business being clear on what a good strategy looks like, um, you know, with all the agile stuff and the OKRs and, you know, this huge movement towards that, that's really helped businesses to be clear on a good um, kind of strategy document. So it is getting um, easier, but uh, yeah, definitely my advice to anyone doing this work is make sure that that's in place because everything will just flow on from that. Um, and if anything, you you can also find kind of holes in the strategy, um, you know, because there might be an ambition to do something, but if your current workforce is not positioned to get anywhere near that and the organisation is not willing to invest in the workforce that's required to deliver on that, well, you're probably not going to be successful in trying to execute on that. So yeah. it's a really interesting space. Totally agree. And and. You know this this going into an organization who don't don't have a strategy um with the greatest of respect that that's actually more common than than you know you'd like to um, be in a position to to acknowledge or, or comment on and I think it doesn't mean you can't plan but you need to understand what the strategic objectives are so whether you go about a process of eliciting that from from you know the 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 powers that be so to speak um or whether you pause until a strategy is developed and i've i've been there as well i've said this project has to be put on hold until that you know whether it's the we're about to do a new one or we don't have one um that's super common yeah Yeah. and the, the other the other sort of uh, issues and challenges that I have seen. I'm interested in your thoughts on these. Are uh, we've got a strategy, but it's articulated in such complex, high-level business speak that it doesn't translate to physically what are we going to do? So that 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 whole kind of 
um, breaking it down and saying, well, what do we actually mean when we when we put all these terms in here that you're know, ending ISE and 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 you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sound great, but you know I mean? <laughs> no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, or, or or we have one, but it's not it's not socialised across the business really widely, so the workforce don't identify with it. Yeah. Um, it, it's more of an operational plan. So we've got a we've already got a people pillar that tells us that we're going to do things like, um, you know, um, support the uh, uplift the 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 culture of our organisation, make it a great place to work. So all those are theoretical outputs of of strategic workforce planning. Do they need to be in the strategy? Well, there's there's an argument that that they don't necessarily need to be there because the process will find them hopefully in in the end anyway. Yeah, that's. I think that's um, that's a really good point because one of the biggest debates that I have, you know, working alongside partners like HR or the actual strategy arm of the business is what what's the difference between a people plan and a strategic workforce plan, right? Two fundamentally different um, avenues. So for me, I think a people plan is very important to have, um, and you need to have certain foundations in place from a HR standpoint, you know, your um, EVP, your recruitment, your learning and development, your performance, and the list goes on. So understanding the maturity of that within the organisation is really important so that you can then really be targeted with your SWP plan. Because, it, you know, if you're going to design something that the business is not ready for, um, it's it's probably going to fail. Like, you know, people will get excited about it, but when it comes to implementing things, the foundations are not there to receive it. So mm-hmm. it's really important to distinguish between those two. And I'm not saying like I've gone in and developed a workforce plan and this goes into a whole nother discussion around terminologies, you know, strategic workforce plan, divisional workforce plan, mm-hmm. equal plan, you know, like there's so many different um, kind of areas, but I think a workforce plan is fine and it goes back to the primary guiding principle, which I'm a big advocate for, meet the business where they're at. If they're not ready for a strategic workforce plan, which is evidenced in whether they have a strategy or not, they don't have a strategy, they're probably not ready. Put together a workforce plan, you know, something that's going to guide them in the right direction and they will slowly, you know, get to that point where they will ask you for a strategic workforce plan because they'll be asking those questions, you know, what about my critical capabilities in the future or what about, you know, are we ready for this scenario or whatever? And that's actually a better way to arrive to a point to get buy-in for that competency. Yeah, absolutely. And and those questions, you know, so what about my critical capabilities in the future? Um, if you if you're thinking about those yet you don't have your strategic objectives you know sort of well articulated and in place mm. you know it's really difficult to understand your, your critical all you're doing is relying on a little bit of information from your environmental scan and it's not it's not bespoke it's not unique to you it's not it's not what you actually need so linking those is critical one of the um the things that we're doing in our half day masterclass before the conference next month is literally just running um you know uh, how to get started so um analyzing and exploring your strategy talking about some of these common issues and challenges breaking it down scanning the external environment 
and then putting those strategic objectives into a process that says, well, based on those, here's how you prioritise your your future capabilities or your enterprise capabilities that need to be focused around. So I think if we can start to, to do those three things, you know, mm. some of the other um, nice-to-haves, more complex activities when you look at workforce segmentation, all those other workforce levers that you talked about before, the EVP and um, well-being, welfare, um, size composition, all those sort of other things will come. But if you can get started by sorting the strategy out and, and doing some of those fundamentals, I think that's a that's a big hurdle that most organisations can face. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. So what do you what do you personally find most challenging about strategic workforce planning? Um, and if, if not the strategy, which we've kind of sort of touched on, what else underpins a successful SWP project? Um, so, I mean, it, it depends on the organisation and your stakeholders, but I think the common challenge that I've experienced is definitely implementation. So, if you'd asked me at the beginning of my SWP journey, I probably would have said getting buy-in, um, but I think that over the years I've learned how to do that well um, and, you know, accepting that I don't need a Rolls-Royce kind of, you know, solution in terms of buy-in um, for it to be successful. There's other ways. So if you can't get the board to agree, there are other ways, you know, to work around that. So we can talk about that a little bit later. But I think implementation is definitely um one of the hardest things to do because that's the part where it depends on the model that you're operating in, right? So if SWP is a COE, <laughs> there's <laughs> your, your your role basically at implementation comes to an end, right? If SWP is integrated in HR or if it's integrated in the business, they're never going to give you, you know, 20, con- you know, mini consultants to help Im- implementation. So that I feel like, you know, um, that is one of the most challenging things. And what I've learned um, is that there are a couple of nuggets in terms of how to overcome that. So um, you really kind of need to, um, you know, work with multiple stakeholders. So your HRBPs relying on them, you know, they've got so many challenging things that they need to deal with. This is an added process to them. So mm. it can become quite challenging, but building up their capability to be able to at least navigate the conversation with leaders on a monthly yep. basis, um, that's definitely, you know, one of the things that is helpful. But I think the secret source is in leaders. It needs mm. to be leader-led. I see SWP as a commercial capability. Yes, it's got people and, you know, HR-related areas, but if you're a leader, you should have that capability anyway. And most good leaders do. They understand Mm. people. They've got that, you know, um, emotional intelligence. But helping them to um, learn how to use the framework and the process um, is definitely one way of of successful implementation. Um, But also the solutions that you come up with should be quite related to their business. So it should just actually piggyback off whatever they already have and then have small stretch kind of um, goals or targets to help them to really catapult into the future. Mm. So when leaders and their management teams pick up that plan, 
They fully understand it. They co-designed it with you. They were heavily involved in the data, analyzing the data, helping you to understand their workforce and coming to, you know, those kind of stretch targets themselves as well and building up their capability as you go so that they take that ownership. And I know you've had discussions with, you know, other kind of SWP experts in this space, you know, so Mm. I think it's definitely a common theme. If you've got that leader-led approach and then you've got support, you know, whatever that is, whether that's a HRBP, whether it's an SWP consultant, whether it's agile squads, you you know, so you've got kind of a a fully um, holistic environment that's helping from multiple different angles to help this thing, you know, kind of get traction. Um, Yeah, so I think implementation is definitely one of the biggest challenges. And then how do you kind of measure um, the success? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Such a good question. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a mixture of qualitative and quantitative. Some mm. of it is just through the leadership conversation. You you know, you go back in six months and you hear leaders talking about their people as a priority in their leadership meeting. That to me is huge success. Yeah. You know, um, the numbers are obviously 50% equally important, um, but I think just seeing the behavioural change um, in leadership is that, that's, a, that's a huge win um, for this area. Totally agree. And look, there's so much gold in there that I want to pick up on, so I'm going to methodically go through it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I love the sentiment around where, where it lives within an organisation, and this was one of the roundtable conversations from London that was hotly contested. Mm-hmm. I think most of the most of the participants arrived at the conclusion that it does, it does depend on, on the organisation. And as you sort of touched on as well, it depends on which bit and what your model looks like as to to where certain parts of SWP lives. But I'm a huge advocate for the fact that it shouldn't, the default shouldn't be HR. The default should be if this is a business planning process that, yes, often results in actions and initiatives that will be owned and implemented and supported by various, you know, verticals within HR, but it, it if if we just think about it as an HR process, um, we'll lose a lot of that gold that you sort of highlighted, and especially a lot of that insight, um, you know, from our from our business stakeholders. We want them developing their own solutions and and owning them, and and you know, uh, making sure that you know the stakeholders across PNCR are engaged to implement yeah. them. So I think that that's super important. Um, where it lives, well. You know, if not somewhere in a in a or close to a strategy function, then let's think about it as an enterprise wide capability. Does it need a? Does it always need a COE? It doesn't it? Can have one, and that that model's great. But yeah. you know, let's think about it as as you know, what are the capabilities that we require for leaders at a certain level within our organisation, so that we're all thinking and behaving like that. Absolutely. And I mean, look, the the COE concept is helpful if you think about most, you know, progressive organizations that are moving to agile ways of working. Um, you know, the chapter kind of um model. So you'd always want a chapter um uh somewhere, sitting somewhere for SWP because mm. it is it is a complex 
competency. Um, it does require a level of experience that, you know, is very difficult to obtain. So you need that kind of leadership that will guide, um, you know, the the organizational capability in the right direction. Um, but I think in terms of it, you know, every single workforce cohort should have some element of ESTA. I would even say finance, technology, you know, all of those kind of mm. corporate. And, and I, you know, I know that I've been successful in implementing SWPs when those partners start to talk about it. And when they start asking questions, what about the workforce, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that to me is, that's gold. Like that's okay. We're, we're, we're operating in the right rhythm now. Like we're, we're getting traction. So I think um, the more that you can get that kind of diverse stakeholder group you know, interested in it and, um, you know, advocating it, I think that's a really good position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. The other is is the concept of of educating and upskilling mm. our BPs and how much onus should be on them. And, I, and that really resonated with me when you said that because I think about the busy HR professional and, and when we do get BPs that come through training, one of the comments, and this is no indictment on our content, one of the comments that they they sort of often deliver is that, oh, it's so nice to be able to think strategically for a couple of days and to, just to take a break. What, what do busy HR BPs often spend most of their time doing? You know, putting out spot fires and respectfully, you know, dealing with with other people's baggage. That That's kind of where we end up, you know, um, manic in our day-to-day. So... That then says to me, well, there's probably a uh, a limit to what we can expect from a, from an output point of view in terms of SWP from our BPs. That's not to say we can't educate, support, bring them into the tent. But then we've got other critical parts of, of HR that I think could also benefit from further SWP capability enhancement. And the two that come to mind are talent acquisition and learning and development. And I think that that they're going to be responsible for a lot of those Bs across whether it's your six Bs, seven Bs, eight Bs model, however many Bs you've expanded to, you know, they're right at the centre of, of, you know, supporting the implementation there. So I think, you know, those two areas are becoming, I'm, I'm seeing them becoming in, increasingly interested, which is great and, and increasingly critical to the process. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've had so many conversations with, you know, obviously all, all of those areas. So, and, um, TA, you know, increasingly has started to, in a lot of instances, do their own workforce planning, right? Because they want to know what's coming down the pipeline in terms of yep. recruitment. You know, the kind of the more mature functions want to get out of that firefighting and just responding to business needs. Um, you know, and going out and actually saying, what do you think is coming down the line in terms of Mm. those key workforce groups? How many do you think that you'll need? What capabilities? So they're already having those conversations. And so then it's just really around, okay, let them do it. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'd be happy for them to, you know, within a framework, um, give them a little bit of a process and then kind of weave them into the overall, depends on the size of the organization. Mm. If you've yeah. got a huge organisation, you can't kind of go around and say, no, wait, you know, we've got to implement yeah. this. And then it's actually better that different functions organically start to arrive to that, you know, workforce planning process. Learning and development, 
you need to have a good job family framework. You need to have a good capability framework. But that's only your current state. Mm. That's not your future state. You're not yeah. building the future, right? So, again, depends on the maturity. If they don't even have a capability framework, how are you going to talk? I can't tell you the amount of workshops where I've had to, in a session with business leaders, work out what the current capability framework is and then what the future skills are. I mean, that in itself can take three to six months if you're trying oh, yeah. to SWP, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's better for those foundations to be in place. And it's the same thing with HRBPs. If the HR operating model is not at a mature state and there's, you know, they don't have the kind of self-service, you know, for managers to, because then there's obviously the behaviour change of trying to get managers to go to the self-service as opposed to going to HRBPs. Mm. Sometimes they just need, you know, someone to talk to about certain issues that they're having or whatever it is. But having that self-service component is really important for the HR function um, because, it allows the HRBPs to then do some data analytics that is above and beyond what they normally do, i.e. SWP, and bring mm. that to the table, you know, for their leaders um, to have an aha conversation. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I think, um, I think, you know, that, that that whole capability piece is is so so right and so important, and it does take time. Um, you know, when we we in terms of sort of when we train, um, we had it in there, you know, and it's still in there as part of the SWP process, but mm. it was pulled out because there's so much more that you can sort of deliver in terms of, you know, even things like how do you develop competency statements as part of a, of a capability framework? How What are some of the approaches you might go about to assess current state competency levels within your capabilities and then how would you go about assessing you know, where you need to be um and going through that process so you can create your you know your two dots <laughs> with your capabilities <laughs> where we are here's where we need to be um yeah how do you get to that visual map is 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 really is really important um because i i think that once we start to think about bridging capability gaps that's where 80% of our improvement sits. So what sits underneath the skills? What's going to enable someone to pull four or five skills out of the skill quiver and, and you know, fire them off um, is that underlying capability that says, well, I know I'll get the outcome. Um, there's four or five different ways that that we could do it. Here's how I'm going to do it if I've got, I don't know, critical thinking or, or agility yeah. or collaboration or whatever you want to, however you want to sort of term those. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that's... That's that's where the 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 big ticket items are, and you touched on sort of a, a point before. And I can't remember the exact point, but it was um, along the lines of what we're doing here is not is not precision accuracy. It's not the scalpel. You know, it, it, it's it's never going to what actually gets implemented is never exactly what was planned. But if we can figure out how to how to identify those big ticket items. We are way below on agility. How do we get the agility capability into our business? Can we can we grow it within our people? Well, capabilities are more difficult to, to sort of morph within individuals than skills. You know, skills, you can train people and, and yes, yes, no, they're skilled or unskilled. Yeah. But capability, I think you can to an extent. But then it's about, well, how do we get more of it in? Do we do we borrow it or do we shift how we buy? Do we shift how we assess for it? 
are we going to focus on agility for every single person that comes through our interview process? You know, um, what are we actually going to do to start moving the needle on our big ticket items mm-hmm. so that everything else that's that's all the fun stuff that sits on top actually becomes easier to do and easier to deliver? Exactly. I think that's a really good approach and it's, you know, it comes down to at the end of the day, you know, um, who's the two top, what's the two percent? What's the top two percent? <laughs> I can get that out correctly. But who's the um, top two percent of your talent that's really going to move the needle, right? Yeah. And what is SWP about? It's about disproportionate investment in your critical capability. If you want Where to- you can expect disproportionate return. Yep, yep, absolutely. Right, right? Yep. so that's your number one priority. Whatever business problem that you have to solve, that would be the first place that I would look. And it's about the executive understanding that and being mm. willing to invest in that. In terms of the rest of the cohorts, I mean, you're going back to kind of segmenting your workforce, understanding what your strategies are for your core, understanding what your strategies are for your specialists and so forth, right? Yep. And then there's, again, you know, um, without sounding like a broken record, the agile method, and it's not just when I say agile, I'm not just talking about ways of working. Let's have a stand up. Let's have a retrospect. Those things are important, but it's the, it's around the operating model. And the mm. reason why I'm so passionate about that as a key kind of SWP action point is because in consulting, in management consulting, you see it's been working for decades. Yeah. Right? So you've got a chapter lead. Um, and then you have your, um, you know, your individuals going and working on projects. And when they're working on projects, they're working with a, such a diversified skill set. Their capability grows on the job. You never get that kind of um, cross-functional collaboration and growth within your workforce, mm-hmm. you know, without kind of a heavy investment in L&D. And with all the cost cutting that's going on, it's really hard to advocate for that. You, you'll get a little bit. Um, so then it's organizations really need to think about, you know, how can I structure my operating model in a way that's going to organically grow my workforce capability? Um, it's not suitable for every um, model, but where you can definitely, you know, I think that I think that's one of the yeah key ways to go. I, to- I totally agree and and sort of a mutual contact of ours at a Gibson wrote a whole book on it from EY in the UK so um but I think <laughs> even if you even if you don't know agile understand agile or, or or you know use the terminology if you just took one thing the concept that strategic workforce planning is iterative yes you know don't expect to take 12 months to do one plan or 6 months to do one plan and that's all you're ever going to need to do because by the time you even finish the actual planning process, something in the external environment will have changed. Something will have moved. Um, you will have acquired an organisation and your strategy will have sh- Something will be different, right? That's so true. you need to, to be in the mindset of, well, we're going to continue this process. We'll get across it. We'll understand it. But then what's our refresh cycle? And how often are we going to, are we going to actually pull the plan out, dust it off, Rescan the external environment, sense check all of our now how we've moved the needle, what's working, what's not, what do we need to shift and change. I think that that's probably the most valuable lesson I, I would take out of you know aligning agile and SWP. Yeah, and I think it, just in what you said there around um, you know 
get the plan out and dust it off. I think that's a really interesting comment as well. And one of the reasons why I went from, you know, I loved my management consulting days. And, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have some experience in corporate is because I wanted stakeholders to live and breathe the plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, in those um, cases where it has been successful, I've seen executives bring the plan to every meeting with post-it yep. notes, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and actually. So then you know you've developed a great plan. Then you know yeah. that you've got excellent leadership. Then you know that the implementation is living, living and breathing and is practical and actually, you know, being integrated into operations. So yep. designing a plan where an executive or leader and their management teams will take it and use it as their kind of you know yeah big tool yeah that's yeah. the objective um, well, the, and the post-it note is the start of the of the agile thinking right that's that's the start of the iteration <laughs> we've already made an amendment right yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah and i think you know what's really what's really important really valuable if you are going to create that environment yeah. Okay. Have your have your hundred play page document that's all beautifully formatted. It's got a million appendices, but have mm. your summary A three. Give yes. them your summary A three that's got you know the process that you followed left to right, and on the right, this is what we're going to focus on. These are our oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Does this does this initiative that you're talking about mm. align to either our capability gaps we're trying to bridge or our specific input, you know, our actions and initiatives? Yeah, okay, we can see where it fits here. Great. And and all of a sudden they're having those valuable conversations that you talked about. They're using the plan. Um, and they're saying, well, this is, yep, this this fits within what we're trying to achieve. Away we go. Exactly. And one of the key things to have on that A3 is their strategy, right? Yeah. Objectives, so, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, it, it has to have their language um yeah. and yeah. integrated um and ownership and accountability. Um, that, yeah, they're really important aspects. And if you can laminate it, then that's even better. <laughs> if you can laminate it, that's, yeah, infographics. So I totally agree. And, and I would say that even if you, and let's look at the, the, the structure of most contemporary strategies, right? Strategic pillars, three to five, objective, yeah. objective, objective, or whatever your term for strategic objective is, strategic yeah. priority or whatever. Um, yeah. Even if you just have those strategic pillars as beautiful infographics sort of yes. down one side or, or somewhere on it, at least you're someone's going to pick up a document and go, there's a strategy, there's an environmental, you know, some summary from the environmental scan. Um, you know, there's there's a little bit on your your data, your workforce demographic, here you, here's your capability framework or, or the front the front end of that. Here are your initiatives. Oh, I can see the process that they followed. This yeah. document all of a sudden makes sense. So for me, when people talk about the output, um, do we need a whole 100-page report? Well, mm-hmm. do one if you want, but as long yeah. as you've got that A3 because that's the one you're going to use every day. I agree. The executive summary and... You know, one of the things when I, you know, because I'm a big believer in interviewing all the leaders um, prior mm. to commencing the process and then going back and, you know, testing things and then interviewing their management teams and then coming back and then having those kind of co-designed workshops to, because a lot of things come out that, you know, sometimes leadership is not aligned to management in terms of the workforce priorities. Um, so it's really important, you know, to get that. But I always say to leaders that, I want this plan to be something that you can take to your cross-functional partners and they understand, you know, within, you know, a heartbeat what you're trying to deliver for them. 
So if it's technologies, a strategic workforce plan for technology, the technology GM is able to take that to the business and say, this is what I'm going to deliver for you. And this goes back to the point that I was saying, if you're struggling to get buy-in from the top, the, the next way to do it is this way, right? So what happens is the tech guys take it to the business and mm-hmm. they say, this is what I'm going to deliver for you. This is when I'm going to deliver. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is how much I'm going to save, yeah. right? Okay. Commercial GMs look at that and go, wow, I think I need one of those, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you get traction that way. And then you kind of, then, then it comes to, okay, we need a holistic one for the organization. So it's, yeah. a, bit of a, it's a bit of a bottom-up approach, but you know, you got to mix between top down yeah. and bottom up. If you just focus on top down, you might as well sit in an ivory tower that doesn't mean anything to the business, right? Yeah. So it's got to be real and practical. It's got to be strategic and it's got to demonstrate the outcomes and, and the savings and the benefits that it's going mm. to, um, to obtain. So being strategic about your level your entry point, your level of engagement, your touch points within the organisation and and not always assuming that it's board, CEO, executive, general managers, you know, um, because as, as you highlighted, like all you need to to do is produce an A3 that, that, that has the, all those aspects that we talked about before, someone will see it nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, people think that's a great document. That's a fan. You know, no one really looks at that and goes, oh, my God, it's clear, it's visual, it's easy to read. I can get a picture of it in about 30 seconds. I don't like it. <laughs> How do we get one? So you kind yeah. of, you're, yeah, you're bleeding the, you're bleeding up, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it's advocated from the business, then, I mean, you, or you can just sit back and, <laughs> you know, that that's, I mean, yeah, that's the, um, I always say that um, pull is easier than push, right? Yeah. So yeah. as much as you can get the pull and go where the energy is. Yeah. If there's resistance in certain areas, just leave them alone. You know, yeah. it sometimes you know certain areas are just not ready. And go That's where right. the energy is, go where there's interest, and get traction that way, and it will flow through the organisation. Yeah. Um, and you'll learn much more because you'll go deeper and you'll truly understand the root cause of some of the issues and you'll get much quicker at recommending things, a few things, making choices about the few things that are going to give them the biggest bang for their buck rather than boiling the ocean. Absolutely. And that's that's where those interviews are so so critical. So, you know, you, you can conduct your mechanical processes and use your tools and templates and they're all fantastic, but none of that is perfect. So I love interviews for what are our what 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 will our, our nice perfect processes have missed what, yeah. what, what slips through the cracks what are we what are we not na- naturally capturing mm. can we go and, and validate or discount common perceptions you know we're really good at this we're no good at this we can't find people blah blah but can you go and actually root cause some of those challenges are they actual real issues and do we need to look at them yeah. um even learning the business, like understanding the other parts of the organisation, the organisation itself, um, you know, there's always value in, in you know, a survey or an interview of some sort. Getting that level right is important. It doesn't have to be enterprise-wide. 
you know, think about different different sets of questions for different parts of the workforce. If you do want to go out to the the broader staff, that 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 questionnaire or that 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 session is very different to you know yeah. how you're going to structure with with different levels of leadership. So, you know, it, it's a really important part of the process. It's often not done. Often organisations are survey fatigued and steer clear of it. You know, there's all sorts of reasons or excuses why we wouldn't, but. It is really valuable, I think, as far as a part of the process is concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's just mixing, you know, again, the qualitative and the quantitative. So doing your research in terms of, you know, the external, internal, you know, gathering your data points, coming up with a hypothesis, and then all you really need is 30 minutes of a leader's time. You know, in 30 minutes, you can get, you know, send them some pre-reads, you know, this Mm. is what thinking this is what we're you know and then hear from you know from them um what their view is i think once they see the depth of the conversation that you can get to um then they're more willing to give you more time you know yeah. i've most most 30 minute you know, starter conversations that i've had with leaders ends up okay with them saying i want you to meet with my management team and these mm-hmm. are the sponsors and so they'll just plan yeah. the whole process for you right so um and then they'll go and talk to their peers i had this great conversation with such and such um so it just generates momentum obviously you need to do your research and you know there's some things that data won't tell you and yeah. there's some things that you think that you come to the assumption. I'm very data driven, so I'm by no way saying that you know. But you do need to kind of couple that with the qualitative, um, you know, aspect, yeah. and also know where to weed out the noise because there yeah. is a lot of noise. Um, but you start to just pick up on where that is and park that, and then in your solutions, you 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 work out what are the top three things that are actually going to resolve, you know, 20 of the firefighting challenges that the exec have told you that they've got. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? A, a massive spike or, or, or you know, a trend in a single data source. You've got two options, really. You can bring in more data, multiple data sources to try and, you know, look at the, the problem from different angles, or you can use qualitative analysis to dig a bit deeper and, and validate or discount what you think you're seeing in that in that data set. Yeah, absolutely. Um, comment from before. So disproportionate investment. Oh, yeah. Have you read the differentiated workforce? Is that coming yes. from that? Yeah. <laughs> I have. Yeah. 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 So I, I, often we're asked, what are some good resources? And and certainly um, Adam Gibson's book, Agile Workforce Planning, is definitely worth a read. But if you want to go back a little bit further mm-hmm. and read one of the books that really has some of this – um, at the time, super contemporary thinking. And I think still, you know, it's all still super valid. And, and I think most of the gold's probably in the first three chapters where <laughs> concepts like disproportionate investment, where you can expect disproportionate return, identifying your strategically critical capabilities and using that as a vehicle for, um, you know, definition for your critical role. So, you know, roles that have a, a high instance of our enterprise capabilities or, you know, significant depth of competency. Once you start to do that, you're flagging the roles that are responsible for executing the business processes capabilities. And then, of course, aligning that top talent. Um, one of the concepts that, that book shares that that I I hear the the sort of the counter um, position to is is strategy first and not people. 
Mm. Put strategy first and not people. And I think as HR practitioners especially or or as organisations who want to be known as great places to work and have great cultures, those words are threatening. Mm. You know, we're a people first organisation. Does putting your strategy first in a in a sequential uh, planning sort of context does that mean you don't care about your people because it doesn't what it means is that you need the strategy and then you need to develop and grow the workforce you don't necessarily start with an assumed workforce and build out your strategy what what can you do with that group of people from there so i think that that let's not listen to those words and go oh hang on this means we don't care about our people it doesn't at all yeah. it just means that you get the way that that moves in terms of the 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 process and, and how it's conducted oh and there's also the you know culture eats strategy for breakfast <laughs> So, um, but but it's but these these um, you know philosophical points all lead back to the fact that there needs to be cross functional collaboration yeah. in these important you know decision business decisions right. So, um, the other book that I've just been um, reading is called Talent Win- uh, Wins. So yep. it's a Harvard Business Review Press and it's by um, some of the guys in McKinsey. And, you know, one of the things that really um, struck out at me while reading, you know, this book and others is that everyone's talking about strategic workforce planning. They're just not calling it that, you yeah. know. Yeah, so it's and what they talk about there is bringing that kind of executive, you know, the CHRO, you know, finance, the business and them together making decision on decisions on those top 2% right so it it has to be a collaboration it's like you know you don't want to design a program without change management involved early on because the change management function will tell you whether you know certain you know pmo aspects are going to be successful or transformation aspects are going to be successful or not right so same thing with strategy you want your swp person to be involved in that and i have been involved in a lot of those kind of initial conversations and it's it's just amazing when you actually get that input and you're able to actually influence those decisions and you know set them on the right path in terms of what's achievable and what's might require uh, you know quite a big investment if they go that way um that's you know i think that's what drives success um is that cross collaboration at all points of strategy design through to implementation yeah absolutely i mean change management 101 right the the biggest yeah. uh, derailer is change management as an afterthought um and i think even in the way we articulate it naturally lends itself to happening at the at the end of the process because it's management if we started talking about it as change leadership more um maybe we'd think about it earlier on i don't know <laughs> Quite, absolutely. but swp is the same Fantastic. So we were supposed to be here to talk about your session, but we've just talked about strategic <laughs> workforce planning um, um, the whole time, which is amazing. So um, uh, an Uber panel, as I would describe it, with some of the um, the leading uh, SWP experts from the banking and financial services sector um, around the country. So I'm really looking forward to to that. Um, what are you hoping that that sort of delegates will, will take away as far as some of your your thoughts and philosophies around, you know, delivering SWP in large, complex fin services environments? 
Yeah. Look, I think we've touched on a lot of those elements, you know, today, but some of the key takeaways are really, um, you know, you really need to know your business and understand your business. Those relationships are absolutely essential if you want to be successful. Being curious, asking the right questions rather than coming in with frameworks and ideas. I think creating Mm. that safe space and creating the space for leaders to really get to the crux of what's not working. I think that's really important. Um, Knowing what matters to them, um, you know, are they clear on their vision? Are they clear on what they want to achieve? You know, what's worked for them in the past, what hasn't? Um, I think these are all really important elements. And there's been a lot of times where I've been rushed, you know, we need something in six weeks. And, you know, (laughs) I'm... I'm like, I'm quite comfortable saying that's not going to happen because yeah. if you want me to build capability while we do this so that we're successful, yeah. we need to spend, you know, a little bit of time. Um, it's not to say it comes out really quickly towards the back end. You can put together a plan in a week, to be honest, you know, if you know your organisation, right? But it's just that getting people on board with the journey um, yeah. throughout the process rather than at the end. Um mm. I think that that's really um, important. And I think just the other um, key takeaway would be, you know, to meet your business where they're at, to keep it simple but focused. Um, They're some of the things that um, I think will make your SWP journey a lot more smoother and a lot more successful. Amazing. And and one final one from me, Oksana, what's what's the one thing you love the most about strategic workforce planning or find the most interesting? Um. Look, I think it's when you see a leader truly, you know, um, have that aha moment with their teams um, when they realise things, you know, they get insight that they haven't got before through this process. That to me is the most rewarding um, because I know that there's there's no other process or there's no other conversation that would have allowed them to get to that point. Um, And it's solving some of their most complex challenges, you know, so it, it really does help businesses to achieve their goals. Fantastic. Well, I'm really looking forward to having you join us uh, day one on Thursday, the 1st of December in Brisbane for um, that awesome panel um, with a couple of other um, people who are yet to be announced. So looking forward to that as well. So thank you so much for joining the SWP podcast, Oksana. It's been amazing. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye.